They're clapping for you, Ava. Good morning, church. So Ava Bass is reading our scripture, and she is excited and ready to read, are you not? I gave her a pretty long one today, but uh, she's going to do a great job. She's going into middle school next year, and uh, you ready for that? It says here you're going to be in the pep squad, is that right? We need more pep. Don't you agree with that, church? And so Ava's going to provide it. So she's going to share a passage with us today. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we will tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the Lord of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the Lord in Christ will rise first. After that, we who rise... We who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Great job. Thank you, Ava. Yeah, you go right down there. Standing ovation from her dad. That's exciting. I like that. A lot of pep. That girl's got a future, right? So uh, welcome, church. We're glad you guys are here. Live streamers, we're glad you're tuning in today. Uh, you know, in all the years that I've been in front of you guys, I don't ever remember a time where we had a second Easter. But that's what today is. Did you realize that? This is Easter part two. And we have the tomb to prove it uh, still behind me. Uh, last week, uh, Mike and I love preaching from 1 Corinthians 15 so much that we only finished half the book or half the chapter and so today we're getting the rest of that. What a great blessing we have in Christ. We talked last week about why we believe in Jesus. His purpose in coming here is death on a cross. Of course, his resurrection from the dead. The heart of who we are and what we believe. The story and the person of Jesus Christ. We talked about the belief and response that puts us into a community of people. Last week we were calling it the community of the eternal, that we're together and we know that this is not the end, right? It's a family. It's a forever family. And therefore we belong always, no matter where we are. We were out, Lisa and I were in California um, last week, and um, we were there. We walked in. The girl that's working at the hotel, we started talking, and she looked up, and she was like, where are you guys from? We're like, we're from Louisiana. And she said, oh, I'm from Mississippi. Like, you know, long lost family, you know, even though we're next door because somebody from the South had come to California. Right. So we started having this conversation. She's been there six years. And I said, well, you don't sound like you're from Mississippi. I know I've lost my accent. Can you believe it? So she kept talking about five minutes into the conversation. She referred to us as y'all. And I said, stop right there. Do you realize you just put a y'all on us? And we've only been here five minutes. If we stay here a week, you'll be mispronouncing and butchering the English language just like you were back home, right? It's a community. We own it. We're an eternal community. We act and we behave differently in this life as a result. We are now foreigners. We're in a country that's not our own. We are looking forward 
to heaven where we'll live with God forever. And while we're here, we're desperately trying to get others to join the ranks, right? It's our goal and our purpose. So all that Paul said in the first part of 1 Corinthians 15, we're here. This is not our home. We realize even now that we are eternal because we're just going to transition. So we get to verse 35 of 1 Corinthians 15. And so Paul is going to shift and make a transition. If all this is so great, and it is, that's what we talked about last week on Easter 1. Today on Easter 2, we get to take a look at what that is going to be like. What is that going to look like? So Paul says in verse 35, he says, But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they come? Now, it's a, he puts it forth as a hypothetical question, right? But I have a feeling he's probably been asked this question, right? And it's not a bad question, even though he says his response, how foolish. Now, I'm going to take it since it was a hypothetical question, that was a hypothetical insult, because I have to tell you, I think about this question a lot. I do. I look at those scenes in those 40 days after Jesus raised from the dead and I saw what he could do that he wasn't doing before. And I think, are we going to be like that? I mean, I would love to just walk through a wall. Would you? Wouldn't that be cool? You could scare all your neighbors and friends and, or, you know, eat fish down by the riverbank. Man, I look at all that. I him leaving here. Literally flying away, real Superman, are we going to be able to do that? I think about that question a lot. But Paul said, how foolish. In other words, what he was saying is, just think about it. Think about it for just a minute. As our president would say, come on, man. Just think about it. I'm working on that one. So what he says is that God has already shown us what we're to look forward to. You realize that? If you just look around, he's really, he's really already showed us what it was going to be like. And this is what Paul says in verse 36. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So he goes to a farming example. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat. Or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh. Animals have another. Birds another. Fish another. So what he says first is that you can just look down at the ground. At the earth. And you can see the concept of resurrection. Right? You take a seed and you look at it and you say, man, it, you know, not very impressive. It's kind of dried out. It's not much reading. What would you do with it? You put it in the ground. It's a miracle. I mean, you look at a watermelon seed, right? It's black. How many of you have spit them right off the porch? I have many a time. It's okay. Yeah, raise those hands. We're proud of it. That's another southern thing. Spit those seeds. It goes into the ground. A vine comes out. The vine produces multiple watermelons, and they're not black. They're green. And inside, when you cut them open, they're red and white with hundreds of other black seeds. 
He said that's the way it is in the resurrection. What goes in is something like, yeah, yeah, the body, but what comes out is going to be so much bigger, better, almost unbelievable, and yet it's believable. He said each flesh has its own. People, birds, fish. Think about that. This little tiny, almost microscopic egg, when fertilized, produces us. Look at the diversity around this room in the fellowship center. Look at the diversity in your room. All this from an egg and fish. So different, so beautiful, all the different ways. So the birds with all the colors. And they say there's no God. Wow. All that from one thing, small thing, made to be seen by all when you look at the ground. But then he also says, what if you look up into the skies? Will that show you the resurrection? Yes. Look at verse 40. There are also heavenly bodies. And there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, the stars another, and stars different from stars in splendor. You look up. I've always been a one who likes to look up. You go out someplace where there's no light and look at those stars and imagine. Then you watch the Hubble telescope, which actually goes out there and shows us so much more. And what do you see? Splendor. But there's splendor here on earth as well, right? Lisa and I were in California, and so I'm standing on the bluffs at Malibu. It's a beautiful place. It's a shame it's run by the people it is, but, you know, that's another topic for another day. But it's beautiful there. You look at the splendor, and you think, man, God just showed out when he made this. And we're flying into Pennsylvania to do an event, and I'm looking at the Poconos, and I'm looking at this beautiful terrain, and I'm like... Wow. In its own way, this is beautiful. I come back here, I see the bayous, I smell the paper mill, and I'm like, I'm home. (laughs) But we have our own beauty, right? And splendor. You know, you're on a deer stand, you're in a duck blind, you're someplace, you're looking out, and you're seeing the mist out on the water and the fog, and you're thinking, God, you showed out. Splendor, right? So whether you look up or whether you look down, you see the possibilities of the resurrection. So many people who live their lives without possibility, they fear death. They're so afraid because it's the end for them. You know why? Because they're not looking around and seeing the possibilities. How could you look at all that's here and all that's there and come to the conclusion that, meh, chance, we just... You're here and you're gone, and you do the best while you can. Man, that's a downer, right? I want to see the possibilities. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if you just look around, they're there. Remember what he said in Romans chapter 1? That which has been made shows us the glory of God, and it shows us the possibilities. We're going to be changed, folks, to glory, to splendor, to unimaginable beings, us. So he not only tells us if you just look down, look to nature, look to heavens, but he also shows us the transition from natural, that which is here of this earth, 
to spiritual. In other words, from earthly to heavenly. We're going to be able to exist, coexist, in another realm where God is. And that's big. Here's what Paul would say. Look at verse 42. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. Am I going in and out again? Boy, this is crazy Mike. If it does it one more time, I'll switch it. Yep, there it is. Bury this mic. I never want to see this mic again. So he says in verse 42, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It, what, what's it? I know pronouns are, you know, you can't trust them anymore, but this it is what? The body. It, the body, it is raised imperishable. So the body goes in one way, the body comes out another. Well, whoever came up with the concept that a spiritual life was therefore a spirit resurrection missed the point here. Body goes in, body comes out. It. It is sown in dishonor, the body. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Not a spirit. People miss that. And here's what you miss by going down that road. You miss the true power of the resurrection. The idea is that Jesus, his spirit didn't just come out of that tomb. He came out of that tomb. And if he came out of that tomb, then we can come out of the ground. Do you believe that today? Because I do. I'm excited about it. It goes in temporary. It comes out immortal. It goes in not being able to find honor in and of ourselves. Now, I know a lot of honorable people, but they're still going to fail. They're still going to fall short, right? But it is raised in glory, a glorified body. No sin, no pain, no death. It is goes in the ground in weakness, but it comes out in powerful perfection. Boy, you perfectionists, you're going to be excited because you really get to be a perfectionist, for real. It is sown natural, earthly. It is raised spiritual, able to then exist in the heavenly realm. That's what he's talking about in the resurrection. Now, he's going to break that down. What does that look like to be spiritual instead of natural? Look at verse 44, the rest of it. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus had no space or time. He wasn't bound by anything. Omnipotent, omnipresent. And he put himself, he made himself. He allowed himself to be bound by space and time and become one of us. Think about that. And not only did he become one of us, he allowed himself to be crucified on a cross to give us removal from sin. And then the most powerful part is he came out of the tomb to show us we can live forever. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And, it is, and as is the heavenly man, so also are those 
who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, wait for it, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. If you want to read up on that in even a more detailed explanation, go to Romans 5 sometimes, 12 through 20. And Paul's going to lay it out there in detail. Man comes. And look, man made in the image of God is amazing. And women. You know, it's just man 1.0, women 2.0 humanity, right? Because there's no humanity without all of us. And you look at people and see what they can do. I mean, literally, folks, I flew all across the country this week. And here I am Sunday morning. Man can do some amazing things. I was finishing up my notes on one of those trips across the country, and I thought, I'm 36,000 feet flying over the U.S. working on this sermon. And I felt a little closer to God, which hopefully it will help me, right? I mean, I'm up there. I'm miles high. Man is amazing. But without Jesus, it all ends here. Where's the future in it? I mean, we needed Jesus to show us that this is just the beginning. You think all the advances we've made as humanity is something? Wait till we get to heaven. We won't need airplanes. We'll just be flying along. Won't that be awesome? Not afraid of heights? You don't have to worry about heights because you can't fall. Wow. So amazing. You see, Jesus came, and the importance of him coming is that we couldn't do anything about it. For thousands of years, as was mentioned earlier, uh, Trey mentioned, you know, you meant the, the sacrifices and just trying, and we'll do the best we can, and we'll try to keep the law. And we'll, no, no, no. He came. He died for us. When he ascended, he still mediates for us. You know what's so important about Jesus leaving the earth? without a rocket ship and going to the other realm is because now we know it can be done. And he said, look, I got news for you. I'm coming back. I would never leave you here alone. You will be with me forever. So he tells his disciples, that's what he tells us. So the resurrection of the dead is that final transition to glory for all of us. Here's what he would say in verse 50. I declare you brothers and sisters That flesh and blood, there's that link, flesh and blood to this life, the natural, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. We have to be changed to live in that realm. You remember when Jesus showed himself to Thomas and he looked, he said, here, grab me. Ghosts don't have flesh and bone as you see that I have. He didn't say flesh and blood. Why? It was changed. He was changed to live in another realm. No more blood drives in heaven, by the way. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. How long does it take to twinkle in your eye? How long? That's how quick this is going to happen. You know, if you can speak the universe into existence... You won't have any problem raising dead people from the ground. People are like, oh, no, what happened? Can you get cremated? What happens if you blow up? You know, we get all these things like as if God's going to say, mm, man, wish that hadn't happened. 
Come on, man. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. The resurrection. Are you ready to live forever? Man, I am. It's going to be fantastic. And then not only does he show us these things and show us it's already, we've already seen it in everything we see, but also he shows us the death of death. Man, that's the moment, right? How many times I've been in this room over the now over 40 years? I've been here as a kid. I've been here with family. Later I began to speak and there's a casket down there at the foot of these stairs and I'm looking out at our forever family and we're mourning because we love this person and we're going to miss them. And we don't know how long it's going to be while we're still here. A husband, a wife, a child, a mom, a dad. I stood here so many times. But in my heart, I don't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. You know why? Because I know about the death of death. And I know we're going to have this reunion. I'm going to see this person again because of their proclamation to Jesus Christ and their commitment to the resurrection. He said in verse 54, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the same that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Doesn't hold us. Isaiah 25. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Hosea 13. You can't hold me down. Yeah, but we put you in the ground, but I'm coming back. We cremated you. It's okay. Those ashes will be all put back together. The creator of the universe says so. Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that one? Woo! Yeah, hand clap would be even better. So this is death's last call. Just waiting. We get in that waiting mode. Hebrew writer put it this way. Since the children have flesh and blood, catch that, he too shared in their humanity, Jesus, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. See it everywhere I go. People so afraid to die. And we're not. You say, oh, we don't look forward to it. Well, no, it's like I don't like going to get a root canal. But it's better than the alternative, right? I mean... None of us look forward to that and the, and the see you later and the you're falling asleep and I'll see you, you know, in the next thing. None of us look forward to it, but it can't hold us. Think about the confidence that we have over everybody on the planet. Last week we read this verse, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, all authority, all power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is, guess what? Death. 
And then that nightmare is over. No more funerals. No more wakes. No more visitations. Just eternity. Do you believe? You know, John Lennon wrote a song and sang it in 1971. And it was called Imagine. It said, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. And on and on and on it went. And supposedly, that's an encouraging song. Yeah, John Lennon. Hmm. If we just had peace on earth and keep singing that song. That's the most depressing song I've ever heard in my life. I don't want to imagine that. That's the deadest imagination possible. Just live it for today and go in the ground. Hope you had a good one. Mercy Me wrote a song called I Can Only Imagine. See, John Lennon was thinking like a natural man, like flesh and blood. You better get ahead in this life. You better do the best you can. You better save up some money. You better retire. You better get around the world. You better get on that cruise. You better do everything you can. Because after this, it's over. Imagine. They wrote a song that was spiritual. One of the verses says, I can only imagine when that day comes. And I find myself standing in the sun, S-O-N. I can only imagine... When all I will do forever, forever, worship you. I can only imagine. Living in the presence of the creator of everything we've seen since we could open our eyes and look. Now that is something I'd like to imagine. What about you? More than just this life. So the last verse, 58 is what I'll conclude with. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. In other words, tough times are coming. Yeah. People will die. Yep. Children get cancer. Ugh. Yeah. Stand firm. This is not the end. Yeah, but I mean, you don't understand the crisis that I'm in. Yeah, I get it. Stand firm. We're going to be resurrected. Every hurt healed by the Almighty. Let nothing move you. I'm not going anywhere. Are you? I'm here. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. That's a biggie. You know, you get to running out here in the world and get to thinking, and, yeah, we got to make a living. i got to work on my career. And I Remember, Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Oh, so I need to get hired by the church. No, there's work to be done everywhere, all the time, by all of us. That's giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord. In your job, your business, your school, wherever it is God has planted you in this moment, grow there in impact. That's what he's talking about. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Everything done to help someone else. What a gift we have to be spreaders of this news that the grave doesn't have to be the end for you.
It really is Easter part two. The Holy Spirit's our deposit. He's our down payment. He's our little taste of what it's going to be like to be in the eternal presence of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. You realize that? When you became a Christian, when you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you were given a deposit. And he's right there alongside your spirit, in your mind. He's that conscience, that guide, that help when you let him. Remember, if you're not bearing the fruit of the spirit, it's not him, it's you. And there he is saying, this is just a taste. Because by that same spirit who raised Jesus' body from the dead, you too and I will be raised from the dead. What a day. Does he indwell you today? If you've never believed and embraced Christ, if you've never committed to live for him and confessed him as your Lord, if you've never been baptized to experience that new birth and renewal of what he did for us, he doesn't indwell you. And without his indwelling, you don't get that taste of heaven. Things like this just frighten and confuse you instead of inspire you and encourage you. If you've never obeyed the gospel today is the day. Because once he indwells you, then he inspires you. And then he instructs you in his word. He is the one that came up with this. Prophets, people, thousands of years were carried along by the Holy Spirit to bring us his word, to instruct us to live for him. What an awesome opportunity that you have today. If you've never become a Christian, today's the day you need to make that step. If you have somehow something in your life has blocked that, if you've lost sight of the resurrection, all you got to do is say, Lord, I need to start over. Because he's really good at start overs. He's good at second chances. He's good at 20 second chances. He's good at 237 chances. Because his grace flows over us. If you're not in the community of the eternal, why don't you join us today while we stand, while we sing?